welcome to the Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and we are so happy that you're here joining us today. People were created to be loved. Things were created to be used. And the reason why the world is in chaos is because things are being loved and people are being used. The source of this quote is unknown, but the message is clear. Our desire to declutter and simplify our lives holds a far deeper purpose and meaning than merely aesthetics. Last week, we sparked joy and began the discussion on decluttering, focusing on our culture and the ever-adorable Marie Kondo. We've been simplifying in our own homes for a few weeks now, and we're following several different guides and methods. And this week, we're excited to share what we've been learning and some of the ways we plan to keep things moving forward. But first, Lindsay has our etiquette tip of the week, and we're finishing up our series on the art of glove wearing. Right, Lindsay? Yes, that's that's true. So, so last week we learned about the long opera glove, and if you'll recall, it's called the mousquetaire, and how very complicated it was to even get those gloves on. We also discussed that gloves were not worn during dinner, or at least one glove was removed while eating. Gloves were also removed when one was drinking to prevent stains on their expensive gloves. Now, one wonders how they caught those gloves off when they were such a hassle to put on, right? Like the alum powder and the buttonhole hook thing. Uh, and the trick, the trick is that there are three little buttons on the inside of the wrist. And with the help of your doting partner, those buttons could be opened or closed rather discreetly. And then the hand could be removed while the arm stayed in the glove, if, if you can kind of picture that. So the hand part of the glove would be then folded back and tucked up neatly, either into a bracelet or just folded inside the kind of like a the cuff, which is the fingertips poking out just above the wrist. Can you picture that? Yes, actually, I can. Um, it helps when you said that the glove, the arm remains yes. inside, right? Because <laughs> yes. um, I was actually thinking that last week when you were talking about how hard it was to get it in. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading somewhere in the past where like you can leave your gloves on when you're shaking most people's hands. Yes. But for like dignitaries or important people like kings or whoever like that you have to take your gloves off yeah and so I was thinking I'm like oh my gosh if it takes hours to put on and someone walks into the room (laughs) I would go into a panic (laughs) like and even your wedding like so a lot of women wear them for their weddings right and you can't put the ring Mm -hmm. on so they they had to have a way to get the the hand free Um, and I just thought I would look up what a nice pair of these gloves would cost I don't know if you're interested but so they were usually made the good ones were made of kid skin kid skin which is sounds terrifying it's actually (laughs) not children uh it's young (laughs) It's young. Go- Hold on. I had to, but I was Googling that. Now I'm thinking this is going to be terrible in my Google oh, history. No, that's awesome. That's oh perfect. Okay. So kid skin is young goat skin. And so it's that very soft, thin leather material. And, and this is different than these stretchy faux satin gloves we might have worn at our proms. Mm. Um, so if you are in the market for a pair of kid skin opera gloves, um, they're a little less than I thought they would cost, but you're looking to spend, you can expect to spend anywhere from around $150 to $250 a pair. Wow. Do you think, like, um, I don't have many opportunities that I would need to have kid skin <laughs> muscatares in my closet, yeah. but I would imagine there are people, there are societies still in our modern age 
that would require you to have formal gloves. Like I'm thinking uh, Kate Middleton. Yeah, like, absolutely. Would she have events that she would have to wear these to? Absolutely. And if you think of all the events in cool weather, but you don't want to wear full sleeves because it's hard sometimes to find a stylish dress with full sleeves. So if you want to wear a pretty off-the-shoulder formal dress to an event, but you want to still be warm, right? You're going to want to wear gloves up. So when I was just looking them up to purchase some, the pictures didn't look dated. They actually did. You know what I mean? Like they looked right in tr- on trend with how we would dress today. So it's not something you and I see in our regular life, but they certainly seemed current, if that makes sense. Right. That's a, a great tip and something good to keep in mind, too. I know my brother's getting re- married this summer. So mm-hmm. now when I'm looking for dresses, if I feel it's going to be a little bit cooler weather, I might just ask Phil for yep. a new pair of mousquetaires. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Today, we're continuing our chat on decluttering and simplifying our possessions. I have to be honest, I've made a ton of headway, but I am starting to feel like I'm losing some steam and I need this pep talk right about now. (laughs) How about you, Lindsay? How have you been doing? I feel the same way as you. And I was listening this morning to last week's episode and how you were talking about that, you you know, kind of goes in circles, right? You get a lot done and then you don't. This has happened over the last couple of years. And I feel like I'm in that place right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason and I have started yesterday the Exodus 90, which some of our listeners are familiar with. It's, it's a thing for men, but I'm doing it alongside Jason. And it's kind of a revamp of your entire life. Like, We always joke about how we go so far and then we try to do all the things. Well, that's what I'm doing. So like not only am I not drinking alcohol or eating sugar and I'm having cold showers and I'm not watching any TV, not on the internet at all, all of these things, I'm still trying to declutter as well. So, um, oh yes, (laughs) we're so intense. Yes, <laughs> There's no middle ground. <laughs> nope, nope. Now, but I've seen you doing some uh, a cool program on Instagram while I was still on social mm-hmm. media. So what kind of book were you working through? Yeah, so it was um, the Organized Simplicity Challenge. And this is taken from a book written by Tish Oxenreiter. So she, um, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but she's the founder of The Art of Simple, blog and there's a podcast and she has authored a couple of books this being one of them and what this program is is uh so in contrast to Marie Kondo's method this method actually goes room by room instead of gathering everything of a similar genre in one place Mm. um so basically the the challenge was hosted by a couple of other bloggers on Instagram who are not related to the publication of this book Uh, And it was just a fun way to follow along and keep ourselves motivated and accountable. But I was mentioning in one of my Insta stories why I like this challenge. I got the book last year. I kind of sort of did it last year. This was the first year I more or less stuck to it. And I kind of like the room by room method. Uh, It really forced me to ask the question, what is the purpose of this room? Uh, that comes up a lot in the book, actually, you know, like, what is the function of this room? And it may, depending on your family and your life circumstances, it may not be what the original layout or the builder intended it to be. And that's okay. It's all about how can it serve us? How can our things, how can our house, how can our possessions, how can we work things creatively to serve our family, which I really love? Um, 
Like, have you ever, have you done that to any space in your house? Um, I've never followed an actual program like that. We just have mm-hmm. the uh, emergency flood. You need to purge your house right now program. Oh, sure. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so also highly effective. Yeah. Right. It is. Yep. And so that's the, that's how I've always done it. But I, I'm really, really going back and forth with the room versus the items gathering everything mm-hmm. together. I'm really don't know yet. And so I was going to see if I could borrow your book <laughs> when yes. you're done with it and maybe yes. try that approach because maybe it does work better for our style of families. Yeah. And you know what? Remember last week we were talking about um, Marie Kondo's method of gathering everything in one space. Yeah. And we were, we both jumped on the pens and pencils yes. thing right away. And yes. I think that's true. I think I might stand by that, that it's, it's really a depending on what you're decluttering at any given time. I think yeah. both could work really well depending. So yeah, I'll lend you that book. I'll borrow Great. Marie Kondo's book. Yes. And in yes. six months, we'll do like a follow-up episode. <laughs> that sounds great. And you know what? You and I are both on it. Like our houses, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say are too bad. And so I look around and I do have some plans, but I do, I have always purged regularly. So I don't have too much to do, but it's a nice feeling to just get reorganized again. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm wanting to really tackle the spiritual side. So I've been reading um, Sterling Jaquith's book, Not of This World, A Catholic Guide to Minimalism. And she has a Facebook page that um, I may have mentioned before, but it's called the, um, oh, it's a Catholic minimalism page. And while she is Catholic uh, and she does approach it from that viewpoint, it's just a great book f- to approach minimalism from a spiritual standpoint in general. So there's so many things that I just was like, yes, as I was reading her book. And so I love how she explains being intentional with the items in our home. And here's Mm -hmm. a quote about that. She says, we must be intentional about the things that we own, what we think about and what we choose to do with our time. We must be good stewards of what God has given us, including our bodies, the people he puts in our path and the things he has allowed us to acquire. We must view everything as a tool for the glory of God. And to me, this is the hard part. This is so Mm -hmm. much harder than just dropping off your clothes um, at goodwill and and doing that. This is something radical. Like we really have to go beyond, like we were talking about last week, we really have to look at why we're buying things. And this takes a lot of work. And, you know, Sterling um, talks a lot about how she was constantly trying to keep up with people. Mm -hmm. And that's not been something that I personally struggled with, but I think that we can look at everybody's a different reason for why they've gotten to the point that they're at. And then when we look at everything through a spiritual lens about if we should keep something or not, like I think back to some music and CDs I have from my teenage years down Mm -hmm. in our basement. Um, They don't give glory to God at all. Like they're terrible, terrible CDs, but they're such a part of my teenage years, but I don't want them in my home anymore. So it's a really different way of going through the items. Uh, I think when you Mm -hmm. look at it through that lens, Right. Yeah. Well, it's like that quote we started today's show with, right? That Mm -hmm. things were created to be used, but we're in such disarray because um, it's so easy to get mixed up with that. And we love our things in in a disproportionate manner. Like the ratio is too off. It's too skewed. Um, And I get that. That's really hard when something has uh, a sentimental value, like what Marie Kondo talks about, right? She considers that something of value when it's sentimental, but at the same time, it's not serving, uh, making you the best version of yourself. 
you know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when we look at the, does it spark joy, um, her way of looking at it. So instead of oh, each item of sparking joy, it's does this give God the adequate amount of glory? Does this give him glory? And so kind of that's the approach I really want to take as I go through this next stage in my house, um, mm-hmm. because I don't have too much stuff, but yeah, is, is what we are the things in my house giving God glory. And so that's really what I'm going to do. And, and she talks about this constant cycle. Like I said, that she was really struggling with making sure she had the right things and she was buying the right things and she was doing the right things. And that this is exhausting. And she said, it's never ending and it's deeply unsatisfying, right. To just keep Mm -hmm. trying. And Sterling's approach too, like so many of these people, it's not just minimalism in the home. She's talking about minimal, um, being minimal in your schedule and the things you say yes to all of these things work together. And so when we're just constantly chasing down this idea of being something or someone and having all the things she's, she's right. It's deeply unsatisfying because it is a never ending journey. Yeah. And I mean, minimalism and simplifying our schedule could be a completely different episode because that's a a whole other struggle that so many of us, I know I really struggle with too, is finding that balance between Mm -hmm. wanting to be involved in things and giving your time, but also not to the point of burnout. Uh, But going back to what you were saying about being a good steward of your things, um, that's a hard mental shift to make. But I feel like once you've gotten it, it probably makes that decluttering process a lot easier. Now, Mm -hmm. one of the things actually um, Tish Oxenreiter, uh, who wrote Organized Simplicity, what she says often on her blog is, uh, you know, how can my the unused things in my house bless someone else? So when we're, yeah, like when we're passing things along, um, and it, it's hard to see when you're bringing van loads <laughs> to mm-hmm. the thrift store. Sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, can they use all of this stuff? Um, but then you think when, if, if you need something, you can also go to the thrift store. She, Tish, uh, often likens the thrift stores to free storage units for us. Yeah. Or next to free, uh, right? So she uses the example in one of her posts uh, about a coffee carafe that she had. She never used, she hosted one time a year where she needed this coffee carafe, but the rest of the year it was taking up space on her shelf. And so she decided to send it to the thrift store. And then when she needs a new coffee carafe, she goes and looks at the thrift store (laughs) and buys one for $2 and then sends it back. And she's like, for certain things, we can um, ease a little bit of that edge of having to get rid of so much stuff all at once. Um, That's very uh, harsh sometimes to get rid of everything. But you can kind of ease that mentally for yourself by thinking that like, I'm sending this because I'm not using it right now. Someone else may need it right now. And if I should ever need it again, uh, maybe someone else will have been able to let it go so that I can use it. It's a really detached way, I think, of looking at our things. Yeah, 
Uh, I completely agree. And I think that also having good friends and a good community where you can borrow things. I know in our local subdivision where we live, um, our Facebook group, people post on there all the time. Does somebody have this movie that we can borrow for our kids? Or does somebody have a punch bowl? Because I'm hosting something this weekend. And mm. our neighbors, you might not even actually know that specific neighbor, but people chime all in going, yeah, you can borrow mine. And so why on earth would I go buy a trifle bowl, you know, if my neighbor will have and, and and I think that that builds your community back to like the 50s and 60s when you did borrow somebody's thing and remembering to take care of it and bring it back. But ask your friends. I have no problem lending out things to people. And if it gets broken, it gets broken. Like I'm not, mm -hmm. again, that's a disordered attachment to our stuff if you're not willing to be generous with, with what you've been blessed with and sharing it. And then you don't have to spend the money. And like you said, it's blessing somebody else. Yeah. I love that your community does that. I think, yeah, I think that's such a um, definitely a more ordered way of approaching our things and uh, a great step into detachment from having to go out and own things. That's that, right. Yeah. Yeah. That need to own it. Like I am the yeah. owner of this. That's like the first step when you can get over thinking um, like I need to have this possession as a. Uh, as a security thing or as a status thing, um, that seems like a great first step to being able to let objects go. Yes. Yeah, Sterling actually talks about that too. She talks about saving things from a place of fear. And like, so are we saving things mm. because um, like... Uh, are we holding on to things because we think, you know, we're going to miss out on it or our kids are going to miss out on something? Or what if I get pregnant again and I need all that stuff? Or am I going to lose the connection to the loved one that has passed away and this was theirs? Uh, or what if we never have the right things that we need to fit in? If this is, if we're operating out of a place of fear, that isn't from God either. And so you're right. The, we don't need to have to worry about owning all of those things and that we can turn mm -hmm. to the community and, and build relationships out of that. Right. And actually, this leads into um, the book that I'm currently reading uh, called The Grace of Enough. And it's mm -hmm. written by Haley Stewart, who blogs at Carrots for Michaelmas. And I've been following her for years, too. I'm always so excited when bloggers that I've followed forever start writing books because mm -hmm. I feel like I know them. <laughs> And yes. that by proxy, I'm also published and famous. <laughs> so anyhow, I don't know Haley Stewart personally, but I admire her, her, um, her family's lifestyle. And this is part memoir. So their story is quite awesome, actually. Uh, they were really discontented with their lives and they were struggling with this consumeristic idea and, and feeling stuck and trapped in their stuff that was preventing them from realizing certain goals and dreams. And so they ended up selling most of their belongings, packing up and moving to um, a an internship farm, like a teaching farm where her husband could learn more about agriculture but it meant wow. their their family of five had to stay in a tiny little um, apartment on the property that was just being leased to them as a worker. Wow. And so, uh, you know, it talks about that fear that Sterling talks about in, in her book, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And the, the extreme doubt that comes, you can have the greatest intention and desire, but taking that first step is truly an act of courage. It's mm -hmm. great courage after everything we've been taught our entire lives about um, that our security comes from uh, having things just in case. 
Right. You know, it's actually quite a radical way of thinking. It's very rebellious. Isn't it funny how some of these uh, seemingly old school or old fashioned way of viewing your things are actually becoming quite radical and rebellious again? <laughs> yes. And I think that if we look through that pattern of history, actually, you know, I think it's, it's, I want to, I still want to find out why we're holding on to everything. It's not like we came through the Great Depression. And that was so mm. a reason why uh, that kind of fear, right, of ever having to mm-hmm. go without again is why people held on for so long. Ster- Sterling actually shares very touching stories about her grandmother and her horrible childhood and why she started hoarding and then her husband's um, grandparents and her grandmother. And then she explains how hoarding looked different actually for both of them. Like her grandmother had mm. a gorgeous house on a golf course it was immaculate it was well decorated but after she passed the kids fully realized the extent of her shopping addiction and how and so everything was clean and tidy but it was like so much like six vacuum cleaners like so mm-hmm. many things but her grandmother was building up this treasure and and sterling says the treasure she stored up thinking that it would help her children but it became a huge burden on the children right they don't want to sort through and try to sell your porcelain dolls and collectors plates but she thought she was doing something great for her family out of that place of fear so they wouldn't have to go through what she went through mm-hmm. and in a, a similar way her um her husband's family had also come through the Great Depression, but they were hoarders, but that typical, very dangerous home, you can't even move in it. And they were worried about running out of money and they started collecting coins, thinking it was safer to collect coins, right? Like collectible coins versus keeping money in a bank. But in the end, and the sad thing is, is as they finally finally got people professionals into the house because it was just not even safe for them to go through things it ended up being costing more money to try to find every coin catalog it and find its worth than it did to um that they would be worth in their value so everything got trashed and it's Right. And so the families are, again, operating from this place of fear about wanting to stock a place of fear and love, but wanting to make sure that we have everything from our families. But you're right. That's not necessarily actually taking care of our families. Mm -hmm. You know, that's such a great point that I didn't even consider. Like, it really depends on the context of where you are from and what's happening in your history, right? Like what's going right. on around you. Do not even think about the the Great Depression and how that would inform how you view your your possessions. That's such a great Absolutely. point. And then she also says one more thing too that I thought like, again, I just love really looking into deeper. And she said that a lot of our stuff, um, it's like we're crying out, am I good enough? If you look at all your mm. beauty products, your clothing, your workout items, self-help books, Sterling says, we allow the noise of our thoughts and the noise of the world around us to drown out the loving whispers of our Lord who says you are good enough. Mm. We have filled our homes, right? With Mm -hmm. and if we look around, and it's just like it is drowning out the message, and it's it's not just the message, and it's like even if we're saying that to our children too, with an overbooked life and an overbooked schedule, and mom and dad working overtime to afford this life, when we just need to say to them, the time together, us being together, you are good enough. This time is good enough. It doesn't have to be filled to the brim and our houses don't have to be perfect. It's it's just mm-hmm. that wonderful reminder that we don't need more stuff. I love that. And that's actually something in Haley's book too that I can see her going more into and I hope uh, I can finish it by the end of the week. Um, but being content with enough, that, that mm. grace 
of enough and knowing for you, because I could see it also being subjective, for you, what is enough? Know where that point is and then uh, be content to rest there, more or less, like give or take. Um, Because I could see how if you are content with enough, it can allow you to be more gracious, to be more generous, more grateful for the things that you can see that you have. And then more charitable. So, you know, charitable with your time, if you're not spending so much having to maintain your things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then charitable just in a grateful kind of way, like everything this life has to offer and you want to extend that to other people. It just kind of uh, clears clears life up a little bit. Doesn't it seem that way? Yeah. And I love that you use the word content, right? I think mm-hmm. that that's part of the problem is that our generation um, <laughs> isn't okay with being content. We have to have the best of, and all of our experiences have to be monumental. Like things aren't just, things aren't as simple, truly. And maybe it's just me getting older because it's kids these days, but like it's, <laughs> it seems like we aren't are okay with being content. That's the Mm -hmm. Pinterest, Instagram life of it has to be perfection. And so I love that idea, just being content with enough. And Mm -hmm. we don't have to um, go all in with all the stuff and, and just be content that it's okay to be content. Right. That is a constant thing that I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. Is looking sure. around and being good with where I, you know, where I am and what I have. Yeah. This makes me want to just be better and to do better at this. It, it really makes me want to go beyond learning how to fold my clothes. Like we were saying with Marie Kondo, like I mm-hmm. really want to reevaluate my life and have a deeper understanding about why I'm buying things. I'm, I'm planning a clothing swap. One of the things I'm doing that you've been invited to, obviously, but, oh, um, yes. Yay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing a clothing swap with my friends. And I, I, I guess this is a thing I have never been to one and I don't really know what I'm doing, but I figured like, no, as we're all yeah. constantly purging our clothes, it would be so much easier to go to a girlfriend's house. Maybe I'll have cocktails here and, and everybody will just bring their good, like quality, good condition clothing that they don't want anymore. And we'll lay them all out. And then people can come and shop for free from that. And then whatever people don't take, we'll just donate then. And I think that it should go well. And then, um, I want to do like a home a home goods or a house goods one and then a toys one because how awesome would it be like there's always like the odd kitchen item I need like I'm always on Mm -hmm. the hunt for a grapefruit spoon and I'm sure somebody else has bought a grape like with the serrated the serrated edge so you can cut into the grape you know what I'm talking about smooth on one side (laughs) it's a special spoon and I want one every time in a store but that's the type of thing that maybe somebody's mom bought as they're cleaning up there that they'll never use again and they'll bring it to my house and I'll be like yes a grapefruit spoon um so there's so I feel like we have these things that instead of just dumping them off to goodwill, like you said, they can bless somebody else for to- for free and we can go through and look at um, other items. And it's and sometimes, obviously, it's great to sell things if you need on a buy and sell group and make that little bit of money. That's great, mm-hmm. too. But mm-hmm. the idea of pulling together some girlfriends and trying to, you know, meet everybody's needs while also purging your own house uh, sounds like a good idea to me. All right, it's time for our What I'm Loving This Week segment. Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? We watched, finally, these have been on my wish list forever, um, the two Bing Crosby movies, Going My Way and The Bells of St. Mary's. And I don't know if you've, have you seen both of them? I saw The Bells of St. Mary's a long time ago, but I don't, I hardly remember it. 
but I remember liking it. Yes. So I didn't know this, but they're actually like part one and part two. He plays the same character in both of them. He plays Father O'Malley and Going My Way, I think came out in 1944 and The Bells of St. Mary's was 1945. And we preferred Going My Way. It was the most weird... I was crying. My kids are like, look, mom's crying again. Oh. And I look over and even my, <laughs> my husband was tearing up a little bit. The movies were outstanding. And, um, and Bing Crosby was one of the only actors ever in the history of film to have been nominated for two Oscars, like two consecutive years for playing the same role, right? And like part wow. one and part two. And he didn't win, sadly, but just really good movies. Our older two kids who are 10 and 12 both sat through, and they're a full two hours. They aren't like an hour and 20 minutes mm-hmm. like the current movie. Um, both sat through the movies and were a little restless, but also were like right into them and laughing and moved by the movies. And they both kept saying, we wish the world was still like this. And I'm yes. like, oh, children's. <laughs> So yes. do we. <laughs> I was just going to say converting the next generation. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's exactly what did it for me. And I'm sure you too, mm-hmm. watching black and white movies when mm-hmm. I was young. Um, so really, really recommend Going My Way and The Bells of St. Mary's. And The Bells of St. Mary's is actually the entire movie in good quality is on YouTube. it's totally on there oh perfect yeah i'm gonna have to rewatch that and that's that golden age of movies remember we talked about that um a couple weeks ago i think where it's just a good story it sucks you in and i miss that so i'm glad you're bringing that back a little bit yeah what what were you loving this week so um, on the opposite end of the movie scale, we watched um, <laughs> we watched a great movie called Searching. Have you heard of this movie? No. It just came out um, late last year, I, I think, and it was um, at a film festival. It's like a film festival kind of movie. Yeah. Um, so it definitely has that feel. But what is so cool about this movie is that it is shot completely on a computer screen. What? I know. So basically what happens is that it stars John Choi, who for nerdy people like me, that is uh, Sulu from Star Trek, the new Star Trek movies. (laughs) And for people like me, he's from Harold and Kumar. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two different worlds. Right. (laughs) One one connector. That's right. (laughs) So, okay. Um, So stars John Choi, um, who's in many things. <laughs> a versatile actor. That's right. Um, this movie is about he he plays a father whose daughter goes missing, teenage daughter goes missing, and so he's trying to find her. And it goes through the police search, um, all the news media that's covering um, the disappearance, the missing child report, and all these things. Um, but yet, yeah, it never goes away from his computer screen. Or a oh screen in general, the TV or a phone or whatever. And, it, you know, I had heard about it last year and uh, it came into the library. So uh, we took it out and I was so anxious to watch it. And I was a little, uh, I was curious and I really hoped that it would be done well. And it really was. So if that kind of thing interests you, uh, just a very interestingly made movie. All right, that's going to do it for us this week, Lindsay. How can people find us? They can find us on Facebook at the Modern Lady Podcast page and on Instagram by the same name, the Modern Lady Podcast. You can find Michelle at MM Sachs, S A C H S, and I'm at Linny Autumn on Instagram. 
So we hope that you find us there. And if you're loving what you're hearing, maybe tell a friend about it. Or if you have a second, give us five stars, four stars, not three stars, four stars. Yeah. Give us a rating. <laughs> a rating on five iTunes. Stars. Five stars, please. Your yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just pop on over to iTunes. It really does help our podcast, you know, be more visible out across its platforms if you have a second to review us. So thank you everybody for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time. Thank you.